Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother and co-host, Corey B underscore MTG. Brother from another mother, how is it going? You know, Bradley, it is just going so very medium. That yeah, I just, it's just I can... fucking there, man. Shit yeah. is just here, <laughs> and I am traveling through time at the same pace. <laughs> yeah, I could not say anything is going great, but I also can say I guess nothing is catastrophically exploding currently in my house, so that's good. So, you know, yeah. pretty medium. <laughs> Great. Well, that 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 pretty much ties up my last week in a nice little nice little bow. I mean, the one yeah. the one really cool thing is we finally got our new shirts. Uh, yeah, the they're mail. so cool. Yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, we've got a new Bash Rose podcast shirt. You can find the link uh, to that to our merch store if you are following us on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher on all of those platforms. It'll be in the show notes. So there's a link there to check it out. Really cool I design. Just love- I just love how evil uh, Brian looks at the at the bottom of the shirt. It, it just cracks me up every time. Oh yeah, I mean he's just he's just like flipping us off with his little tiny you know finger. It's it's so good. I, I love the yeah. shirt so much. He looks like Doctor Evil that would like be petting his skinless cat. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because that person was bald. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. Speaking you made of the which, connections, Bradley. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, transition style. Uh, we actually do have a special guest this week, and since we're going to be talking about historic, given the SCG uh, road to call time, and also the call time championship qualifiers that are happening this weekend on Arena. We want to bring in someone that, you know, an historic expert. And uh, we, we found Brian, who had played a little historic this last week. And yeah, I get I get I get the bars low, but whatever. Brian's here. Hey, what's up, Brian? Hey, F. Both of you. F you both. You think all no, 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 bald no. guys are the same? Is that what you fucking think? You just think every bald person is exactly the same. Well, it's baldism, really. You're yeah. only somewhat right, you sick, <laughs> sick man. Jeez. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you got us wrong. You got us wrong. I, 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 I don't think all bald people are the same. I just think all bald people are inferior. Inferior, inferior, <laughs> inferior, because <laughs> that is true. We need to get our linguistic inferior. coach uh, oh, helping you out, bro. Shit. <laughs> Who's inferior now? <laughs> There's a lot can, that can be inferred from uh, what you guys just said. <laughs> Sec- Brian, I love your head. Okay, I love it. It's very shiny. It's very nice. It's. Very unique to all other bald people, okay? Secondly, uh, interesting that you made a Dr. Evil Mr. Bigglesworth reference because Mm -hmm. uh, I've been playing a game that you may have heard of recently called World of Warcraft Classic. And in that (laughs) game, the Naxxramas dungeon was recently released. It's the final dungeon of Classic. High difficulty level. And... As you enter the dungeon, there is a cat running around called Mr. Bigglesworth. And if you kill the cat, the final boss like does like a yell like, like, no, like I will hunt you down and murder you for what you've done or whatever. So I don't know. Okay. This is a very timely reference. I, I don't know why that you guys made that <laughs> reference there. But yeah. So. 
I mean, Nicol Bolas Hunt. says the same thing when he gets defeated. So this is a common uh, uh, phrase or common. How timely is it with a game that came out 15 years ago? <laughs> Very timely. Very timely. And also, if you're living in the past. You know what? I'll have you know that the game did not come out 15 years ago. Okay. 12 years ago? 16 years 20? ago. 16. Ah, oh, oh, my apologies. Of course, of course. 16 years ago. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's so good. So so it's not an honor and a privilege to be here? Is that what you're saying? I thought it might be, but then you... Until that comment, huh? Yeah, then you insulted me on a level I've only a few times been insulted on before, and I just, I don't I lost only it. Only a few times. I've known you for like seven years. Maybe eight now. Nine, well, ten? No, longer, ten? I've Jesus. known you for 16, for 84 years. Yeah, yeah. 84 <laughs> years. But maybe Brian had some hair at, the, at some point, so it wasn't all the years you've known him. I'm sure that I did have hair when Brad first... You did You did have hair right when we first met, yeah. yeah I did, actually. Gotcha, gotcha. Now it's just ran down to your back, huh? Well, oh, that hair was always there. Yeah, that was always that's been there for a long time. <laughs> so that's our main topic today, everybody, is Brian's bodily hair. We're going to start with the back. We're going to make it to the legs and then just see where the podcast goes, you know? Oh, man. I, now I'm just thinking it's like, God, I want to tell that one story. I don't know if we've told them before. We've done this for two years. But the <laughs> the outside of the pre-release, the the mooning story. Oh, uh, we've told the story before. Okay, 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 good. <laughs> good, good. You're like, I didn't want to have to tell it, but I felt obligated to. Yeah. <laughs> right, Bradley, I don't know this story. <laughs> All right, now that oh, we've... We'll tell it, we'll tell it on another day. Maybe we'll do it for a... We'll, we'll, do, we'll have a good mini-sode where we just tell embarrassing stories, and it'll be fun. Um, oh, that does sound fun. There's a common, gonna... common theme with a lot of mine, and it's very shitty, but... Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, that story. That story, I like, we could make that story a stretch goal because there's no way that we're giving that one up for free. Like, you know, maybe, maybe when our Patreon hits certain tiers, certain something, you get, you get it on that story. You know, uh, you know, like, it's, it's not, it's kind of a dark horse candidate, but I think my personal favorite one was just the, uh, coming of age story you know like when you hit certain ages your body just doesn't work as well anymore <laughs> yeah and i i honestly i think one of my favorites was just when i was shitting myself on the streets of columbus on my 30th birthday like <laughs> Wait, I, do i know this story i think so i do, is no. that what i have to look forward to this coming year when i turn 30 shit literally <laughs> yeah it is. I, I, I don't think i know this story Save it for the pre-show. Oh, I do. You just came into the hotel room and immediately went to the bathroom. Well, yeah. Well, that's the conclusion of the story. Yeah. Well, that's my perception of it. That's what I remember. I remember being in that hotel room and you, you just you you were not in and you were not in that you were not in that room. Ross Merriam was in that room, but I don't even know if he knows what happened. So because oh, I was I was ashamed of myself. I mean, I had to ride an elevator having just shat myself with like wow. twelve other people to like the eighth floor to get to this room. Oh, <laughs> Brian, you know we're recording this right now, right? I just wanted to double check. I did not know that actually. I'm sorry. Oh wait, you got you guys are recording this. <laughs> sorry, I forgot. Oh, you're not recording. I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> That'd be a common theme in this week. Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's actually bring this all together. Let's, yeah. Now uh, let's that get... now that we've lost Andrea Mangucci, let's get to the topic. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before before we get into the topic, I do want to bring up uh, a few oh, tournaments that are coming up this weekend. Some have a lot of context to our topic. Uh, the first being the Star City Games 5K Call Time Championship Qualifier. Uh, Road to Call Time is happening this weekend. Again, Friday and Saturday, eight flights, historic flights. If you four, two or better, you qualify for the Sunday tournament. First place qualifies for the Call Time Championship straight up. Second through 12th will qualify for a qualifier for weekend in January. So that's exciting. And then the uh, the big end of the year blast for NRG, Nerd Rage Games, is their NRG series $2,500 showdown. That is happening this weekend as well. That is a split mm -hmm. format of modern and legacy. So it's two MTGO formats for all of you that are competitive and like grinding out uh, those, you know, I, I would say like, these are like the spiky, sweaty, competitive tournaments, right? Like, Brad, you know, I thought the end of the year blast was BBD's thirtieth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's the gift that we don't even know we'll receive yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't get that analogy because it happened in the summer, but oh, of course, yeah. okay, okay. But it was the end of your year. It was the end of my life, to be really honest. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I'd like to keep promoting this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Bradley. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys, for understanding yeah. what I'm doing here. All right. Anyway, we don't understand. We just appreciate it. Yes, this tournament also, first place, will qualify for the Call Time Championship. Um, and the rest of the top eight will qualify for a qualifier weekend. And 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 honestly, I'm kind of liking this new setup where Wizards is giving qualifiers out to third party uh stores to help promote their yeah. tournaments and and also for players to be able to participate in these things because one of the things when i was grinding you know um if i wasn't qualified for like whenever i was qualified for the pro tour i would love playing on the ssg tour but when i wasn't qualified for the pro tour i i felt like i You're had to spend PTQs, I, spe I, I felt like those weekends i had to dedicate for the pro tour and now you can just get to do both and i and honestly i really like it too it creates some really fun storylines, like even with one of our own in our Discord here, Tomash. Um, uh, sorry, I do not remember how to accurately pronounce uh, your last name, so sorry about that, Tomash. But qualified through the Czech League, which it was a really cool tournament where they just set up a very long uh, and drawn-out tournament. And first place, you know, got qualified for the Zendikar Rising Championship. Then he took it all the way to, uh, you know, a top eight. So it leads to some really cool stuff. Yeah, the ninja. Really like the well. ninja. The ninja, yes. Yeah, that was really awesome. Um mm -hmm. but yeah, so it's really cool that these qualifiers uh are giving different places these these uh opportunities. And there is one uh this week, I mean both of these, but also there is the qualifier weekend. So a lot of players are gonna be on arena playing historic. Now we just had the historic open as a sampler, right? That that's the test. That was yeah, the, that's a that's how you dip your toes in, yeah. Yeah, and and now uh, you know thousands of people are going to be qualified for this weekend's tournament, and we'll see how it goes. It's it's the same arena style where you have to do win X before lose X on day one to qualify mm -hmm. for day two, and then you have to win X before you lose X to qualify. And I think they're giving away more qualification slots or something because they screwed something up. I don't really know the story, but I I think this one is better than previous ones. Yeah, so uh, it is the same as last time, except that you can 
if you get to six wins, you also get qualified instead of having to get to seven. And then if you get to seven, you get a bonus of like X amount of gems, 20,000 gems, because they weren't able to program um, this in time to, to update with the new features uh, that they were trying to plan for the Keltime Championship. Like extra losses uh, so or something, right? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Extra loss. So now it's just you can win one less. So six wins gets you onto it on day two. And then if you do get that seventh win, it's you're just playing for gems now, um, which, you know, it's a Band-Aid solution, but I don't like it because that's going to lead to some collusion for sure. Um, but it's it's they're still letting people qualify with one less win, which is still good. How is it going to lead to collusion? I mean, think about it. if somebody already got their six win and qualified and now they're just playing for 8,000 gems on Arena and they play against their buddy, or do you think they're going to play it out or give them their chance to win or get qualified? You know, well, that would be my guess. But. Yeah, I like I, I agree with you there, but it that takes like a lot of organization. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. you could. Yeah, it's pretty. I think it actually can happen, but let's not talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I, Let's figure out all the ways that people can collude. Hey, wizards, can we keep <laughs> doing shit for you? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, I'm gonna be playing. Uh, I'm gonna be playing in this qualifier. Awesome. Yeah, I got. I mean, qualified I don't want I you to actually qualify because I want you to, you know, talk about me at the actual tournament and hopefully, you well, know. Well, I. I I'd be doing that regardless if I got the call, but you know, I'd still like to just play and stream it and stuff. And I get to play my favorite deck again. Hopefully we can test together, you know, and I don't know. I'll, yeah, I'll talk to my teammate, Cedric Phillips and Andrea Manguchi and see if we can fill you in, but if we can fill me in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't yeah. know if I have enough pull to get on that. Six yeah. Squad. <laughs> <laughs> The Bass Bros Podcast is proudly sponsored by BCW Supplies. BCW offers great products at an even better price. From their Elite 2 sleeves to the deck bot line, you're sure to get an amazing product. I've been using their sleeves and deck boxes for the last year, and let me tell you, bro, their durability is unparalleled. Well, if you're interested in trying them out yourselves, you can go to bcwsupplies.com and order today. BCW Supplies. Protect. Store. Display. Slogans. Marketing. Magic. Wow. All right, but let, let's actually talk about historic. Um, now I, I we're gonna kick things off with just uh, the arena open. Now both of you played in it. I did not. I want to hear both of your experiences from last weekend, starting with our special guest Brian. How were your experiences? Uh pretty good. I mean, I I pl actually played the um, man. What was the name of that deck? The, Civic Paradox Engine. That's the one. Yeah, I played the uh, Simic Paradox Engine deck. Uh, I just copied a list that I saw Abe Corrigan had posted on Twitter and um, played it. And I, I had no like experience with the deck. I, I actually I played one practice match on the ladder before I uh, before I played the thing, just so I wasn't like totally bad. Uh, but I definitely was still very bad. And I I ended up going five and three, but I certainly threw away one match kind of embarrassingly bad. And I probably chucked another one, too. So the, the deck felt really strong. Uh, the like the good draws of the deck were kind of disgustingly good. Uh, granted, I was only playing best of one. So, you know, there's no people don't have the right interaction in game one always. But. Mm -hmm. I, I was pretty impressed with what the deck was doing. It felt like a legitimately powerful combo engine 
uh, more a little bit more powerful. I maybe a little bit less like super top end as something like Kethis, but a little bit more uh, overall powerful. I felt so. Yeah, for me, the the biggest comparison that I had to that deck BBD, and I think you know maybe this is a reason why it gravitated to you, is Kinnon feels like Urza to me. Um, and, and it, it kind of felt like those Urza combo decks where you'd like fopped or sword and you'd, you'd have a good game plan already, but then you could just win the game, uh, with a combo out of nowhere. And Kinnon was just facilitating every single one of your draws. Oh yeah. I, I agree with that. It, it did feel very much like that. Um, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less powerful of winning a fair game than, uh, Urza, but it definitely had the same feel to it. One of the big things that was different, and this just would come with experience, but and 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 the same is true for a lot of the decks. Like I, I feel this way with Kathis combo too. Even even if I'm experienced with that deck, the rope is brutal for playing these kinds of decks mm. because a lot of times you get into a spot where you're like, all right, I need to count up how much mana I'm going to have access to and the things I can do this turn, and a lot of the decision making for these kinds of combo decks are like. You play really fast turns and then you have one turn where everything happens on that one turn and you have to um, really kind of piece it all together. And then once you've pieced it together, you can just execute it pretty fast. But it takes a bit to count up everything and plan through every action that you're going to take. And Mm -hmm. on MTG Arena, like you just don't get a chance to do that because of the rope. And I don't even think that that's necessarily a downside to Arena. Like I, I think having forcing people to play at a good pace of play isn't really a problem, but it certainly mm-hmm. makes playing these kinds of decks harder. And like, I, I think I lost uh, at least one of the the matches that I lost was oh, like definitely to feeling rushed on time. Cause I think if I had had time to sit down and think about the implications of my actions, I would have played very differently. Do you know the QQ trick for that deck? That was very helpful to me. Um, so I'm assuming that that lets you tap all your mana automatically. Non-creature yeah. mana, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I saw my opponent in the mirror doing that, <laughs> and I didn't know how to do it. But I yeah, did. Re- cute, I didn't yeah. realize like, oh, that's cool. That's a thing that you can do. I don't know how to do uh-huh. it, and I'm not doing it. But yeah, that is useful. So. Yeah, that's that was my experience as well, Brian, when I played the Soltai Paradox Engine combo that like Yo Larson uh and Kai Buddha played at the Zendikar Rising Championship, because that deck didn't have um what the I would say next generation of of these combo decks had. And that was just winning by drawing all your cards and jacing. But I um, you know, now you can just Karn for Aether works reservoir and just kill them out of nowhere so the rope hasn't hit me that hard yet with the new versions um but the first versions i multiple times i was comboing off and arena only gives you like five minutes in total time otherwise even if you're making game actions your clock still goes down so i had multiple times where i just had to pass the turn even though i had them quote unquote dead. yeah i experienced that with kethis quite frequently where i was performing the loop at a the fastest speed that I could physically click the buttons and mm-hmm. cause it's just repetition at that point. And yeah, I, no matter how fast I click the rope w- wouldn't go fast. Cause yeah, there's some hard timer you're saying five minutes, which sounds about right to me, but there, yeah, there's yeah. some hard timer where no matter once you've hit that timer, 
no matter what you're doing action wise, you're going to time out. Um, I was more referring to the rope, not in the execution, because I think once you're executing the combo of this deck, especially with Aetherworks Marvel, you're almost never going <laughs> to have an issue there. Aetherworks Reservoir. Yeah, Reservoir. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. My rope comment was more about like starting the turn where you're going to try to win, and you're like, maybe you don't have all the pieces yet, and you're like, you're trying to figure out mm-hmm. if you can do it or not, and like, you only have like 30 seconds to figure that out. Um, yeah, and especially when you just picked up the deck and you've only played one match. I bet, you know, if you, like, entered another arena open, you know, you would probably not be too affected to that. But that is a hard deck to just pick up, and then the rope is very unkind to you, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, like, my first match was against the Mirror, and I got, like, an early Karn out. And, mm. uh, like, I got Karn out before my opponent got to four mana. I, even though I was on the draw, I just had Land War Elves and a good draw. And I thought, like, cool. I had it locked up from there, and somehow I, like, put myself in a position to allow their Karn to kill my Karn, and I don't know. It, it was bad, but it was certainly a position where I was, like, thinking if I could go off on a certain turn, but because of the rope, I just had to take an action, and it was just wrong, yeah. so. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the uh, uh, just speaking on the rope thing, like, I definitely I, I I'm a I'm a fan of arena. I know that it's not, you know, last year I was like a purist in the sense that it's like, you know, the giving away information aspect of it was was really yeah. frustrating to me. But um, I've, I've come away from that to where I think that I enjoy playing magic tournaments on arena, even like these big ones. And I love the tool for like the cube. Like I've been playing the cube. I just started getting into uh, the gladiator format. I think that these casual fun formats on arena are just like the best way to actually, like it feels like a game to me again and not just mm. a job. Um, but I will say when it comes to the rope and the timer, it makes no sense to me how, if I'm playing the biggest competitive tournament of my, you know, that I can play in that I have a rope and a timer, it, you know, like I just, I think the rope should just not be a part of competitive magic. It should be a part of the casual aspect of magic. Um, mm. I disagree. If you already ha- well, why? If you already have a timer that ticks down. Yeah, I disagree as well. Um, it's for it's for watchability of the game. Just think of coverage. Coverage has to be good and coverage has to be fast moving with a game like this, otherwise it's not popular. You know, so I think that's one of the major designs is to make sure they can broadcast a good game, people can watch a fun, fast-paced game. You know, I think that's the thing that's held magic back for years from being like, you know, max esports is like IRL magic is slow. It's slow and it's not exactly the funnest thing to watch, but arena is definitely bridging that gap. And I think the rope helps that aspect, but maybe that's just the coverage side of me uh, chatting out more than the, the, you know, the competitive side. Well, I I do agree um, to some extent with what Corey is saying, but that I was also saying it from a perspective of the, of like the competitive side where the rope in my opinion, kind of <laughs> emulates what is supposed to be the case for paper magic, where you're not supposed to dominate the amount, like the amount of to- time available and around. Like you're supposed to make deci- like decisions on a fast time frame. Uh, even in like a paper pro tour, you know, it's like you're not supposed to sit there and tank forever. And that was always something that was very difficult to enforce because you would need a judge at every single table to be able to enforce that enforce that and that just wasn't feasible 
And so I, I do think the rope kind of enforces the way that it was supposed to be where players aren't allowed to just sit and think forever and come up with like the perfect line. Um, Cause I don't think that was what the intention was ever supposed to be for competitive magic. Oh, I can. Well, you know, the slow magic player Brad Nelson wants to get rid of the rope. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but like that—that that doesn't even that, that argument isn't even that great because you are using your clock, right? You're you're still eating into your time bank. In real life, yes, that has to be managed. But but if you're in an online and digital where you have your own personal chess clock, uh, mm -hmm. then like that argument isn't that good. It, it's in my opinion. It's definitely worse because of that. But I don't think it has no value. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying that the, well, I'm not, uh, yes, I will agree that it has some value, but I will also say that like the quarter case of if a combo exists, but you can't actually deploy it because the arena structure just won't allow it, then mm -hmm. that is a problem with either the cards or the platform, but not the player. Uh, yeah, because I think, I think one problem we'd really run into is y'all remember the Shahar Shenhar thing where it was like, somebody just kept making a game action that didn't do anything, but he had to sit there for like 25 minutes. Like I, I, I think the rope timer stops stupid shit like that just for enjoyability a little bit too. Well, no, um, that's, that's but, what was. So, well, I think that what Corey is saying is the reason why they added in the, like the five minute, like hard cutoff thing is because so of that a... is because of like that, thing where shahar played that like two hour three hour that, long nexus game that, that was that was yeah that was nexus that, that that's why they added the 30 minute timer. no, no, no. I, well they also added the five minute timer where you just get hard cut at a certain point i think i think they added that because of things like that where someone was yeah. able to just keep a turn going indefinitely without advancing the game state but the problem is that once you've also added a 30 minute timer where once that 30 minutes is up, you lose, you no longer need the five minute hard reset. Because as long as somebody's advancing the game state, but it's eating away their own clock, they should be allowed to keep advancing the game state as long as they can do so, you know, like because yes. it's only yes. punishing themselves for taking longer. It's never mm -hmm. punishing the opponent for that. So yeah. that's where like I think that that five minute reset shouldn't exist because of that. But Having access to a rope to make sure that people are playing at a fair rate of play, I still think has some value, even though like I agree <laughs> the 30 minute cut like the 30 minutes chess clock type thing um means it's not necessary to have the rope. I still think that just from a like the way tournaments are supposed to be kind of thing. There's still some value in making sure people play at a reasonable rate of play part of partly because of coverage, but also partly like, I just think that that's how tournaments should go. Like you should just have to play at a reasonable rate. I think the fact that it's, it's uh, a big thing for coverage is a must include no matter what the other circumstances, because a game has to be fun to watch and it has to be, you know, it, it has to be quick <laughs> in today's day and age. So I think right there, that is the reason you have to have a rope for tournaments that they broadcast, um, you know, on Melee or on, on Twitch, on the Magic uh, main Twitch channel. You just, you have to have a game that progresses at a speed to compete with well, all that, these other but see, see now, But space. sure, but now we're, now we're going into a, a space that there's no return from, because like, if you're going to say that, then I'm going to just, then I'm going to argue that, that they're trying to get too much out of the same game. Because if you're saying that, 
arena has to be watchable from a coverage standpoint. So the cards and arena has to be built in a certain way. Then, then we just also have to include the fact that commander needs like new sets need to appeal to commander players. So now we get cards like Omnoth. Like I don't agree that just because all, you know, we're using all parts of the Buffalo that they should all apply in each situation because right now we're already seeing the game stretched thin hurting the game. Yeah. I, I do. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's a fine line to toe and you know, it, it makes for a tough job, but I'm just saying that is one reason why I would assume they need the rope. But anyways, you know, we're digressing on something that we're not, is not our main topic. Oh, but it's anyways, so, but... I think it's fascinating. Cause like, I, yeah. I don't think the game and arena and the, the player's pace should be indicative of how coverage has to do things like i would want the coverage team to work harder you know like have have slides have something have have you know more access to more stuff so that if so, if a gabriel and the is tanking for three minutes um you know that there's stuff to do and i understand that it's way harder to actually do than to talk about yeah i, I just don't uh, think I mean, that he should be able to not sorry, I don't want to say he because that was just a hypothetical, but I don't think that a player should be able to just tank for five minutes in the middle of a game. Um, I just don't think that that is like a good way for tournament magic, like a good thing for tournament magic, period. Like oh, regardless, of course not. even and, if there's a chess and... clock and the opponent's not getting punished like through that, through like somebody dominating all the time in a round, I still just don't think it's good for the game. And that's my argument, basically. Agreed. Yeah, I, I I will I will go back to just saying that the rope always indefinitely going down at five minutes though is is my challenge. And yes, you can abuse that, right? Because how much time can you actually get out of a turn using your ropes effectively? A lot, you know? You can still get a lot out of your turns, like four or five minutes already, without it bleeding completely and not having to like loop a combo. Um, you know, let let the timer get really go, go to combat, think for another 30 seconds before the rope starts again go to attackers think again you know that that that's just part of it yeah um i think that's fine you know but yeah yeah um but yeah anyway uh you know i haven't actually found that issue with this deck either though i've played it quite a lot and it it, it hasn't really affected me because the deck actually does close the games and if you know the qq uh trick yeah i don't uh, think we're other... arguing this I, well sorry I, I don't want to interrupt but like i have no issue closing the game once i begin the combo I haven't. Oh, yeah. sure. That's what I keep saying is like I, I need the time to figure <laughs> out what I'm going to do for my turn. Once I'm actually mm -hmm. executing it, it's like super easy. Is that? But yeah. uh, going back to your arena open, did you did you enjoy it though, BBD? Yeah, it was fun. I thought the deck was cool, and yeah. I, I I enjoyed playing the games. And some of the games were really tough. Like I played a match against Blue White Control that was. It was very difficult to decide how to play all my different turns. I mean, I was crushing my opponent the entire way because, like, okay. just, I don't know how, why, but I just was. Like, I think I gain a ton of value, and they have a lot of, like, removal spells that are dead, I'm guessing. Yep, that's that's basically mm -hmm. what it was. But, like, I was, I was ahead the entire time, but I never had the combo going. So I was just trying to figure out how to, like, make sure that my opponent couldn't climb back into the game somehow. But... No, I thought it was I thought it was a really fun deck to play and I was impressed with his power level. Um mm -hmm. so, yeah. Cool. Well, uh from my side, I had a very similar day 1 at least. Um I too played the Simic 
combo and went five and three for the first one, but punted two matches away horrifically. I played quite a different list though that I thought was better for the best of one. Uh, and it was just awesome. It was a uh, Ely Cassis brew where he played uh, three Fey of Wishes and then collected companies. Basically just the mentality being Fey of Wish uh, is similar to Karn, except you can get like Pact Negation, Aether Gust, negate uh, some permission to be able to fight through your combo against control decks. But then Collected Company as the only way to, um, the only way to basically find Emery since that it is an Emery deck. Like you need Emery to combo. And so I thought that was really smart, even though it was like the worst Collected Company deck I've ever played. But the fact that you could find Emery with a card in that deck made it worth it to me. And then there was just some spicy stuff in the in the sideboard. Like I uh, Ely played one God's Pharaoh's Gift so that you didn't need a Emery to live to combo off. You could just have it in your graveyard, start gaining a ton of mana, God's Pharaoh's Gift, and then combo, which I loved and, and got me a lot of free wins. Yeah, there was a God's Pharaoh's Gift in the list I played as well. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, I didn't see I, I didn't see it in uh uh Abe's list, but maybe I just didn't see it right away. But so I ended up losing the first bullet I played and then fired off a second one with the same deck, uh, you know, knowing how to play it a little bit more. I did the same thing. I played one practice game with the deck. Um, but then after a while, it, it kind of fell into place and it really did feel like an Urza uh, kind of combo deck to me. And then the second one, I just went X1 to qualify for day two, um, had a blast. And then day two, I decided to play Rakdos Arcanist because I just first really loved the deck. Um, and basically my motivation was what Brad said, um, playing for the Mythic Invitational, that he thought that like that Rakdos Arcanist was a really bad matchup for him. Just with some of the things that you cut, uh, from your list, you kind of gave up on that matchup. And I, I looked at the Sultai list and I was like, they don't look that much different than what your list was at the time. So I was like, I'm going to run it. I'm going to have some fun. Um, and I did pretty well. I went five, I was five and one and then lost a really close one. Uh, to Sultai to be five and two and get one win out of the thousand dollars, but really just love these arena opens. Um, you know, still recommend the Dreadhorn Arcanist list, and that's what I'm going to be playing uh, this weekend. But had a ton of fun. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I ended up just uh, watching tournaments and cube drafting. I think, or nice. I don't remember exactly what I did. Uh, but I, I didn't. I didn't participate. Uh. And I had fun doing whatever I was doing on Arena, but I honestly can't remember. Life life is literally blurring for me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But still, love the Arena Opens. I'm going to play every single one I can where I, you know, I'm not doing something because uh, I just think it's a really cool tournament where you don't have to, where you don't have to wait for the next round. I think that's the biggest thing for me is like, if I want to play, it's like the best streaming opportunities, first of all, because you just don't have to wait. You just queue right back up. Um, and you can win some damn good money. Yeah, I think oh, I yeah, think yeah. they're awesome tournaments. I love them. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I just I that was the first one I played, but I just just the idea behind it is exactly <laughs> the kind of tournament that I I would be like interested in playing again in the future. The only thing that's a little weird to me is the best of one, best of three thing. Um, so yeah. I I don't know, like that that's a little strange to me. But yeah, I th I think that uh, those tournaments are really cool. Oh. So. Yeah, I play, I play best of one as well. And that is the one thing I don't like. They give us the option to play best of three, but mathematically it's way worse because you just have to 4-0 yeah. in best of three, or you get to lose twice in best of one, 
you know, uh, so I think they need to allow you to lose once for best of three to make more people play that. You know, you'll get your people that are dead set in their ways that'll never play best of one just because, you know, whatever. I, I'm, a, I'm a boomer. I sideboard, which, you know, is how I feel. But I want to give myself the best chance to get in. And that is with best of one with how it's set up right now. So I do think a, a small tweak needs to be made to make that uh, comparable so people can just literally play what they like. But then uh, uh, day right two now, is best of three only, right? Yeah, day two is best of three only. And that's definitely how it should be. But I think you should be given both options um, with equal equity um, for best of one and best of three. For yeah, is the equity that far off actually? Because it's, it's so far I, off. It's, yeah. Well, are are you sure? It's it's. I think it's pretty. It, it far literally, off. is just. Is yeah. it's literally and, just based on how many people qualify, and that's that's a math equation I haven't done. No, it's it's like someone figured out the numbers, and you know, I I'm not gonna say who it was, but I do think it was Frank. Was would be my guess. Um, but just that it is just much easier when you can lose a couple games, plus you can go through it faster. Um, I, there was numbers out there somewhere, but I'm, I'm not hundred percent. I mean, sure it, it just, I have no idea about the win seven before lose three, but to go four zero means that 16 people, one qualifies out of every 16 that plays the other version of it, mm -hmm. um, on average. Uh, so mm -hmm. And I think it's way more that qualify on best of one. Regardless of whether it's more or less, I think that you just generally have more equity. <laughs> if um, at, like depending like as a, like if you're a good player and you're playing a good deck, I think you have more equity if you are given a couple opportunities to lose. And yeah, because it's a high variance game, and I think uh, Wizards knows that too because they give away much more gems in the best of three. Like if you go three zero and lose, you get a lot more back than if you go five and. Yeah, I think I got what did I get like twelve hundred gems back or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, like you lost gems, right? Like you gain gems if you go three zero uh, and lose that last one. In really? Game. Okay. You do? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that did. it's it's like n not much, but um, the point I wanted to make though is I, I thought it was weird that you could choose to play best of one day one and you were then forced into best of three for day two. Like to me, I, I I don't really understand that. Like, where like the the day two format is locked, but the day one format you have options. It's I I don't know. I'd rather I just it's be a consistent a, format. I think I think it's two reasons. I think one that people would complain that it is too high variance to get the money on day two, and. Uh, for day one, it's they can rake in and have more people play. Like, it's two things. They can get more money because more people play and people have more opportunity to keep firing bullets faster if they're on a time crunch. That's my guess, but um, I could be wrong. Well, I mean, it was just like the 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 literal how it started, right? I, it was... They didn't want uh, one, yeah. a, they didn't want to alienate people on day one that just play best of one on arena, which is a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they wanted to introduce competitive magic to them. And day two, though, they wanted, you know, people for it to be competitive and to make sure that they got the players that like spiking as competitive. So you have to be able to play best of three. But then after playing it, I think a lot of people that are the competitive, the spikes and <laughs> magic we're saying, hey, we don't want to have to play best of one, and yep. um, I and and also I think introducing best of three to best of one players is the easiest way to turn a casual player into a casual competitive, which you know 
in organized play in tournament structures, you want people to be casual competitive. You don't want them to be super competitive or super casual. Yeah, um, you want to you want to sell the dream. You know, you want to sell the dream in every way you can to get people to be interested for the higher level of. Dream. Yeah, I just, just get, yeah get people interested in. I it. just don't understand yeah. a tournament where you play day one qualify for day two and then you just can't even play your same deck again yeah you can you just have to add 15 cards to the sideboard <laughs> no i mean honestly that's like the thought process like if you're trying to introduce <coughs> players that have never played sideboard and magic like but we that's we know that that's not really the case right like best of, of course of best of one of is of course it's not best of one's a way different format than best of three but Definitely is. Or you could, you know, play the the Simic deck. It already had a sideboard. It's just a wish sideboard, so you're barely sideboard anyways. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't think how like that's another thing, too. Is like I don't think how these Paradox Engine decks were built for best of one is at all how they'll end up being. Like I, I'm I'm assuming that people are no, of course tuning not. them for best of three. Now I haven't seen the list, but like I can't imagine they're at all how they would look. Like you're not going to have a 15 artifact sideboard with four cards in your main deck if you're playing best of three, you know. Yeah, that's true. And I do think there was some kind of phenomenon with uh, how best of one, uh, just kind of looking at big picture wise of, of decks now instead of just the structure of it. Like there were so many pros and grinders and stuff that were tweeting about, hey, I made it with this Simic Paradox deck, you know, and it was really hyped. You know, people were talking about it everywhere. And then a lot of people tried to play it in the SCG or um, just day two. And the deck does get worse because people get to bring in hate cards. And it is still a very vulnerable graveyard graveyard deck. Um, So I I think people did much worse with it on day two. But not saying that it's a bad deck because of that. Um, But it it was kind of interesting to see that little evolution of it. Well, let's let's actually look at some data now. It doesn't give us this 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 slide doesn't give us data on this (laughs) deck in particular, but I have been trying to keep up with it. It's still a new deck. I think it's really good. Mm -hmm. Um, But moving forward, getting away from best of one, because it literally doesn't matter anymore. Um, Yeah, let's shake off this best of one. Yeah, yeah, we went went way too deep. It was fun, but we went way too deep. Um, Yeah, yeah. But like this last weekend, uh, including all of the big magic and Star City Games tournaments uh, that have been run on MTG Melee for um, then we have uh, from MTG data from this past weekend, put it all together and we have uh, win percentages. And now uh, to no surprise, you know, uh, four color mid range. Uh, is this actually the old <laughs> week? This, yeah, I have to look at the new week. Um to, to no surprise, four color mid range had a medium week. Uh, but what was awesome to me is that Sultai mid range popped up as a very highly played deck, and also a sixty percent win percentage this weekend across a lot of matches. Yeah, it did great, and that just screams to me that people were, um, you know, kind of staying with the same meta game, and a lot of people were playing four color mid range, um, and then just Sultai was just better in the mirror, but still a good deck. Um, you know, I guess that, that's all that stats screams out to me. Yeah, four color mid range seemed like a metagame version of the deck for a specific metagame. And then once it was clear that this was like arguably the best deck in the format, you you have to mm-hmm. you have to shift again to stay ahead because like suddenly you're not fight you're not trying to fight the same decks necessarily anymore. Like you got to fight the mirror, you got to fight Azoria's control, which is bringing up and. You're going to want to have to change your list a lot. And that's 
going back to soul type and having a more clean version of the deck i think is is a good way to do that and honestly i th- i think that you know just this this like uro nissa engine is is so powerful that some version of it's probably always going to be a tier one deck um in, in this oh, format sure. just you got to hit the right metagame choice of which how to how to build your list each week but yeah mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing for me is the switch to Sultai and four color is just people looking back at the Zendikar Rising Championship and seeing how bad the Jun Sacrifice de- decks did. So then they're just like, well, I don't need these Yasharns that much to beat that matchup. And now since people are going to Sultai, we're seeing a lot more Jun pop back up. That's the big rotation I've seen this last week. I don't know if you guys Yeah, agree. well, I mean... Oh, go for it. I was going to say, like, according to this, John still had a a sub 50% win rate. So. Oh, you got to scroll down. We're looking at the one below. Yeah, I am looking at the one below. John sacrificed 48.7%. Yeah. Uh, Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I was actually looking at the Rakdos sacrifice numbers. So, (laughs) okay. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, I I played a lot of four color mid range and I thought the move to Sultai was correct this past weekend. Um, and saw those numbers play out that way. And and you're right, like four color mid-range was there to prey on the sacrifice decks, but <coughs> Jun Sacrifice had such a bad weekend that it seemed like it wasn't gonna do well. Um, to the point where I thought so much was overcorrecting that Jun Sacrifice might actually be a good deck again, like mm-hmm. almost immediately after the poor performance. But um, what I didn't account for was just the fact that it's kind of very bad against uh the Paradox Engine deck. And which is a new deck, basically. Yeah, and it's really bad. It's just so slow against it. And so mm-hmm. if also, you are, you know, also Karn just shuts down Witch's Oven straight up. Like mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just built in there. And 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 to much surprised as well, Soltai also is good against Jun Sacrifice. Um because these Jun Sacrifice decks are being built to beat Yasharn. And those cards, like the Chandras and the things, they make you vulnerable to Aethergust. So the new yep. the new tactic, um, you know, against Jun Sacrifice from the Sultai or Four Color side is don't wrath them, don't try to control them, just ramp, play some good permanence, interact with the one or two things that are, like, most vital, and just beat them down with Krasis's and Nissa's because they have to build their deck with so much mid-range involved. Mm-hmm. So, bro, do you think this would be a week, uh, you know, as a Sultai player, that you would switch back to four color? No, because Jun Sacrifice, I think, is just a bad choice because Paradox Engine should be picking up in popularity. But like, even like Rakdos Sacrifice, that that's I feel like the Sacrifice deck of choice going into this weekend because it can compete with Paradox a little bit more, just because it's a little faster. But probably still not a good matchup. I mean, if you even look at the data from this, it's small sample sizes, but like Rakdos Sacrifice mm-hmm. had a worse matchup against Sultai than it did Four Color. Like it's small, it's it's a small percentage and it's a small sample yeah. size, but it's just that I think Sultai is just better than Four Color mid-range period. And okay. we just leaned on, on Yasharn, but also Yasharn was great when they didn't have answers to it. Um, yeah. I just think Sultai is just... a, a better choice. And I think Jund... I don't think a Jund is actually playable, except because it's good against Rakdos Sacrifice, but Rakdos Sacrifice can actually compete with all these other decks. Yeah, I look at the Rakdos Sacrifice uh, percentages. The one thing that does stand out to me is 
percent against the paradox engine combo so that seems like a deck that is playable now because you can't have a bad matchup against Sultai and the Paradox Engine combo. You cannot play that deck. Then, yeah, ag you know. Again, these are small samples that we can build off of a little bit. Like the actual total <coughs> percentage is way more valuable than each individual one. Um, <laughs> but just what? Oh, I'm just saying. Like I look at these numbers and I see 66.7 percent, which is just exactly two thirds. And I'm thinking that's probably yes. a small sample size if that's the exact number, but yeah yeah it or it could have just nailed it right it could be six wins three losses or i mean six wins th three losses still small but yeah i mean you, you're right it could be like 22 wins you know whatever losses but yeah like yeah 11 losses um but no these these definitely are that but if you just look at the deck list like Rakdos has the anti-aggressive things a lot of cheap cards some pressure these gen decks look they're being built clunky as shit these days it's like, I don't yeah. want to have to put a Corvold into play against Paradox Engine. I mean, I have done this this week, and it doesn't play, play out well. <laughs> <laughs> nice Arena Cube draft, then. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will have you know that every single Cube draft I've done, I've done five or six now, all have had Phil mm -hmm. the Dead, and uh, everyone is, should just start taking that card way higher and just drafting lands. Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm a snob when it comes to cubes, and it's like, I look at a pack and I'm like, all these cards are shit. I'll take a watery grave. All these cards are shit. I'll take this trio. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. oh great. I hit my I mean, That's just correct. Day. Usually, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no. So like, I mean, that's, that's my opinion is I thought Jun Sacrifice was going to be a good choice and it was going to, I, you know, just understanding the trends of magic that it would like be good because it was bad, but um, it's just not the case if this, paradox engine combo deck actually breaks through as a real contender in the format and i think we might be seeing that be the case because it is a very very powerful interaction and combos around mm -hmm. cards we know are, like we know emery is a good magic card yeah yeah and honestly it's it gives me vibes of like team of reclamation getting to its final form the fact that the plan b from this deck is now just four euros and it's also a deck that can combo kill on turn three. The ceiling for this Paradox Engine combo deck is just the highest out of any deck for sure. And if we can find the right uh, configuration, it could easily be the best deck in the format. Uh, you know. One thing so I want to mention, uh, kind of semi-related to Jun's Sacrifice, not necessarily, but possibly, is we're looking at a <laughs> historic format where there are a ton of different decks and some decks are just going to drop out of the format, not even because of metagame shifts, but just because they're not as good as other decks. And like Jun yeah. Sacrifice could just be a deck that ends up just being underpowered relative to the format's power level. So even in a week mm -hmm. where it is a good metagame choice, it's still not a good choice because it just doesn't have the same power as some of the other decks. And I don't know if that's true for Jun Sacrifice or not, but that's just something that's probably going to happen for a lot of these decks. Because right now there's just there's too yeah. many decks. Um, most metagames can't really support that many like actually good tier high high tier decks. So that's how I feel about Azorius Control too. Like I think it was very good metagame call for that tournament, but I do not think it's a high power enough deck but to compete when things open up. Azorius you know? Control wasn't even a good metagame call for that tournament. If you just removed Brad's uh, record from the rest of everyone else, they went like thirty five percent. 
Like, it's just that Brad went 12 out with the deck. That's the only reason anyone I talks mean, about Azura's yeah. control, honestly. I mean, it was go it was goblins and Sultai midrange everywhere, and it's good against those decks, mm -hmm. but it got well, shit on against I mean, let's just look at the was, data. Jund was 50... Yeah, Jund was 50% of... Or just as many copies as, like, the midrange decks. Um, Jund and Rakdos made up that... He, you know, he only just played against it once or whatever. He didn't. He played. He didn't play a lot of rack of the difficult matches. I mean, if you look at the data, yeah. Azurius control was forty eight point four percent for the Zendikar Rising Championship, and if you adjust for him going, what was it, twelve zero or something? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was fifteen and twenty five. Everybody else but Brad Barkley. Yeah, but, <laughs> I yeah, mean, it, it was it was. To be fair, 15 and 25, <laughs> I want to say, like, that's not that bad. I mean, I've played, I've played 25% Yorion before. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> is, that, is that even that bad of a number? I don't know. I've, like, you tell me a deck's got a 33% win rate? Sign me up. That is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too good. <laughs> I've played 25% Azorius, Yorion, but I've also played 0% Kathis, so the bar is very low. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I completely agree with you, Brian. Like, that's the thing about this format. Like, things are changing, and we keep constantly getting new cards and, and new mana bases and all this is happening, but the truth is, is, like, you know, a Teferi deck, uh, a Nissa deck, a goblin, a Muxus deck, and a sacrifice deck have been, <laughs> you know, always vying for first place when we've had like decks like Rakdos Arcanist or Auras or Mono Red. They might get new toys, but they still don't break through. Yeah. And they, they, they just and might now, not have the, the power level. The, but another thing, too, is you keep throwing new sets into the mix or special yep. things. Suddenly they get a. I don't know what whatever card would be the thing that they would need, faithless looting or whatever. You know, and all of a sudden this deck's tier I one. Mean, like, you know, like I mean Rakdos Arcanist gets the new pathway coming up in Keldheim. That's what I'm fucking jacked about. That's gonna help this deck so much. Yeah, but just saying that when you know Sultai gets eight, but they probably won't even play any because they're not good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's because their mana base is already just, good. Rakdos' mana base is not good. <laughs> but I mean, that's a huge difference. Yeah, but that's one a, mana base is already perfect, and one sucks right now. So you 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 get the irony of that, right? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, like just the fact it's like yeah, like these decks are struggling for new tools, but like these other decks already have all the tools that they need. And so, like, they keep getting introduced, and maybe they break through. Um, but the one thing I want to joke about is Bri when Brian said, like, they keep getting all these new sets, I'm thinking about them, like, yeah, they keep getting old sets before they made cards like Uro and Nyssa. <laughs> like, we already have mm -hmm. those sets here. <laughs> True. <laughs> like, like, Kaladesh barely made any change. Like, everyone put four Fatal Push in their deck, and now some people are like, oh, you should play zero. They're not even close yeah. to good enough. Just play Eliminate. yeah. Yeah, Kaladesh did not really impact shit at all. In it's it's kind of funny that it. I, I think it's actually kind of been almost like a positive impact because all the cards that were so disgusting from Kaladesh before just pale in comparison to like Uro and whatever. <laughs> so then the, oh, the yeah. only cards that actually shine through to keep seeing play are things like <laughs> a Braid, which is like just a genuinely good card to have in a format or like Fatal Push, which is just a genuinely good card to have in a format. I mean, there, I guess there's a 
I mean, they did leave out Copter and Felidar Guardian. I think they would have made true. Some, and, yeah, and, there's, and there's Paradox. Sense, yeah. And there's Paradox Engine, too. But, but Yeah. I mean, if the Paradox Engine combo deck, I think for a while would be a good deck to be out there. Because the thing about it is, is this deck by design is still going to struggle against like real graveyard hate. Like the weird thing about this form is because Nissa and Muxus and Sacrifice are still so popular. I mean, if we think about it, like th this slide says there's what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's 11 different archetypes on this slide. And then other is... 261 and 261 is like 60% of the total amount of Nissa Soltai four color decks also played now. Like that's, there's so much of these top decks being played and taking up the metagame share um, that once a graveyard deck actually shows up, people can actually start aiding with real graveyard hate like Leyline. But oh, yeah. they're just and not that, breaks, that playable. That breaks a lot of decks. Yeah. Another thing too is like looking at some of these decks. Um, you know, like we've got we got a list here uh, by uh, Masahito Masuda playing Team Teamer Paradox Engine, where he only has one Paradox Engine in his main deck and re is relying on Karn. And like, what if somebody just has Spyglass? Like, if it's Spyglass Karn, how is this deck winning? You know, like there, there are a lot of tools mm -hmm. to attack a deck like this. Um, and, and then there's a lot of counter play too. Like, you know, oh, your opponent's Spyglass is your Karn. Like, too bad, I'm playing a Fae of Wishes version. Or like, you know, like there, there's a lot of counter play there. And I think having uh, combo like combo decks like that that are very hateable, but still very powerful, um, as long as it's not like something super oppressive, which I don't think this deck is, uh, I, I think that adds a good level of interplay to a format that makes it pretty fun. Yeah, I agree. I, I think having a, a decent uh, combo deck in a format does make it better, but you, I totally agree with you. When the combo deck is too good, it's miserable. Like Team of Reclamation, that was just too Yeah, because that wasn't really a combo deck. That was like the, the control deck with a combo finish. That There's mm -hmm. a very... It's combo control. I mean, we've talked about that a bunch in the past before. I'm yeah. sure Brad's written some articles mm -hmm. about it too, but like that that's like a, a huge distinction for me. Yeah, I think combo control and aggro control are two of the broken archetypes of magic. Like if they give they're given enough tools, they're probably the best thing ever. And you know, that that deck was Team Reclamation was a combo control deck, and um what's it called? Blue Black Rogues right now is the aggro control. Yeah. And, I kind of think of it as more just, tempo control, but I, I get what you're saying. I guess it's yeah, I mean, te tempo control is effectively the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it's just that like you win with cheap creatures, but you also control the right. game. Yeah, Delver, Stoneforge Mystic, some classic yep. examples yep, exactly. from Magic's mm -hmm. past. Yep, exactly. So and so, yeah, like this deck is just a combo deck, a mid range combo deck, um, and you know we're seeing the evolution that people are. You know, it started Sultai, went to Simic, and now we're seeing it move to Teamer to play like Escape the Wilds. And truth be told, this deck. Mana is clearly good enough to where we could see it splash any color or combinations of colors. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't think it's the final form yet. That's for sure. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, like I see this teamer deck, and I think like, damn, that looks sweet. Like Escape the Wild seems awesome in a deck like this. So it's yeah. definitely like you know compared to the original list that that came out to now, like there's there's a lot of room to be had with this deck for sure. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think that uh, the Paradox Engine decks are going to have a good weekend. Um, that's, that's on my list of to look out for and to hate. Um, and because of that, uh, and it's the new spice that people are playing, any deck like Jun Sacrifice, I think, just can't be played. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Jun Sacrifice and even Azorius Control, I think, are two decks that people play but definitely should not play. To to take the Yo Man 5 uh, <laughs> templating again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Azorius Control, I just think, is perennially bad. Like, yeah. it, 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 it's just... I, I don't know what, what more I could say in my career to explain why the answers strategy in a powerful, wide open, very proactive format is the worst approach. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, like I think of soul time mid range as a control deck and that's, you know, yeah. if maybe if we just call it soul time control, then we can get like the Shaheens of the world into it. But like, <laughs> I, but like to fairy is control and this is not when this is very much just a, better control card <laughs> like uh, yeah. it lets me yeah. utilize my dead cards which are extra lands it gives me more mana to control them with um yeah you i i mean control as a classic archetype is is kind of dead i mean I've, I've been arguing that for like six years now that i just think maybe not quite that long but i i just think control is just a dead slash dying archetype i mean it, it springs up every now and again um, I, I, I think controlling a game of magic is not a dead way to win. I just think that control in the typical like counterspell blue whatever deck uh, just isn't isn't really viable in really any format anymore. The way that cart. Yeah, you got to have a proactive element. Now, yeah, I think. But yeah, I find it much better to control them in the early game and dominate the mid mid game than control them in the early and mid and dominate in the late game. Yes. I just think I just think good decks right now have to be dynamic in the sense that they do more than one thing. And when you're a control deck, you do one thing. And you know, I mean, you you really have to be able to pivot in certain spots and have a lot of play. One of the things about magic just straight up in general is people have gotten so much better at deck building over the years compared to what they used to. And this is kind of going along with what Corey was saying, but like you have to have a dynamic game. Like the decks that are good are always decks that are dynamic in some way. Um, generally speaking, there's a couple exceptions, but generally speaking, that they're always the decks that are dynamic in some way. Because if you are playing a deck that is exploitable or that has a like an exploitable hole in it, people will exploit that very, very efficiently these days. It wasn't always the case. Yeah, it's just like goblins, yeah. you know. It's just like goblins. Goblins exploitable, and it did not have a good weekend when pros tried to exploit yeah. it. You know. Oh, I mean, and and to double down on that though, like you're saying that like you know deck building has gotten better, but another thing to add on to that is that cards do multiple things now, like yeah. more so than ever. Like every card has multiple things that it can that it can accomplish. Like you, you look at a card like Emery, like we we're talking about, it has a mana cost reduction. It has an activated ability and it has an enabling ability. Like it just, mm -hmm. it has all of the shit built into this card. Like back in the day, that was not the case. Like I remember when like they printed Seder Wayfinder and I was flipping the fuck out. Like I was like, that card is awesome. Like this is like the best enabler we ever have. Now it's just like, it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, when we saw Uro, it's like, how are we going to enable it? And it's like, oh, magic just does it for you. It's like yes. you just you just participate in the game and then you get a free Uro later. <laughs> yeah. It's like how are we ever gonna get five cards in a graveyard? This is very, I don't know. Um seems tough, yeah. 
Oh man, I had a thing I was going to say and I I completely lost it. Oh, this is what I was going to say is that I I could see control being pretty good against teamer engine as they are currently built because you know you don't have a lot of payoffs in this in this teamer deck you know your deck is almost all enablers with very few payoffs and that that's the kind of deck that a control deck can can often prey upon so the only problem is you can sneak in those creatures that gain value with emery and and kinnon and get value that way I've been seeing a lot of Jeskai control instead of Azorius control. And I think that one absolutely smashes these Paradox decks because now you have Magma Sprays as well as counter spells, So you can like let one of these little creatures resolve. Gross, but then you're um, just losing equity against the, the most popular mid-range decks. Like, oh, control is terrible. Stop playing it, everyone. Oh, oh no, I think I, I'm not saying it's good yeah. as a whole. I still think it's a heinous deck, but I think uh, it's being created to prey on on these decks and maybe you know them thinking that narset is good enough against these sultai decks but it's just not i think the correct number of magma sprays to play is one because like if your opponent's on the play and leads with servant of the conduit like you just (laughs) (laughs) how dare you i'm out of here (laughs) uh for anyone that doesn't get that reference uh I, uh, we don't I, need it. I, I get it. I beat Corey in the top four of a Grand Prix <laughs> by doing that exact play. Against the sideboarding guy that we had built. Cool. Yeah. Ultimate betrayal. It was brother betrayal at yeah. the highest level. It was so not betrayal. You 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 sculpted <laughs> this picture like I conned you. Yeah. We brought I, a sideboard <laughs> guide at the beginning of a tournament. <laughs> Two days later, we play in the top four of this tournament. And I decide that based on what I think Corey's going to do, I'm going to do something deviating from our plan. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that was very right. dishonorable. That's like the longest fucking con of all time. <laughs> very dishonorable. Not I. I mean, if we want to yeah. talk about the long con, the best part of the story is on Friday before the tournament. Uh, Brian and I are talking about our deck, and we're arguing about one card. And I just said to Brian, "I'll just do whatever you do, so that when I do better than you at this tournament, I can say the deck was built poorly." And I beat him in the finals. And the first thing I say is the deck was built poorly. <laughs> when we meet in the goddamn finals of this like thousand person Grand Prix. I would also, I'd like to get back to the point where you completely betrayed Corey by switching up the sideboard plans. That was thank you super low. And I certainly didn't do that as well in the finals. So yeah, of course, of yeah. course. <laughs> I'm glad we're all in the same way. Wait, you didn't, you didn't do that in the finals. You were never on the on the draw. Oh, oh Bazinga. Well, I still did change the my sideboarding a little bit. Oh, of course, of course. But yeah. It, we learned so much by the end of that weekend. But of course it didn't matter at all because Brad is a lucky son of a bitch. Okay. I am lucky That's and true. play well, but it's easy to say you play well when you get lucky. <laughs> I mean, you did play very uh, well, but you also got very lucky. I'll, I'll oh, take yeah, that to my no, both can be I'll true. take that to my grave. Mm-hmm. Oh, grave digger. Um, all right, so so this format, I want to know for you guys, uh, what what would you actually suggest people play in this weekend if you're either playing in an SCG or uh <laughs> or or in the uh whatever it's called, the call time championship qualifier? Uh and what would you suggest not playing? You can have a few on each list if you want. I'm going to go very off brand here and say that I would suggest that people play Sultai Midrange. 
Holy <laughs> shit. It's, it's happened. <laughs> Ever. Ever <laughs> happened. <laughs> uh, she is uh, not me, gonna believe yeah. it. For me, honestly, I I still think Rakdos Arcanist is a very good deck uh, to answer this metagame. Um, but if people do start adapting and like start adding ley lines, I I think it is gonna be bad. And I think we are getting to that point where that could happen. We might see extra graveyard hate. So I'm not gonna fully recommend anyone does it. That's what I will be playing. Um, but I think it's completely yeah, fine to play. Don't do this at home, everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I would play it, um, but I don't want to train wreck someone if if Graveyard Hate like that starts to pick up. But I definitely wouldn't play, uh, you know, Jun Sacrifice and Blue White would be my answer. I think yeah, why... I, 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 oh, sorry, I just want to add then the deck I wouldn't play, Rakdos Arcanist. Okay, your turn, Brad. <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, I've, I've got three, three for each Smart. list, actually. I've thought about this. Um, I would highly, if you play Soul Time Midrange, I highly suggest playing Soul Time Midrange. Um, I think that that is just a good deck. Make sure that you are good against the Mirror. Um, I don't actually have the best plans for Paradox Engine yet because I haven't played that matchup that done. That's my second choice uh, would be Paradox Engine. Mo mostly looking towards these um, three color decks with Escape to the Wilds just to fight other Soul Tide decks. It probably slows you down a lot against decks like Rakdos or the Mirrors, but there's so much mid-range. I expect so much mid-range this weekend. Um, and third mm -hmm. would be Rakdos Sacrifice just for the fact that it uh, it can tango with a lot of these top decks, and it's only losing two decks that I suggest not to play, which would be, you know, Azur's Control, Jun Sacrifice, and Rakdos Arcanist. <laughs> uh, and Goblins. I, I think Goblins is just a deck that you just, like... Goblins is the deck that's good against the random bullshit in the format, and the random bullshit in the format doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, I, I have the same two top decks as Brad, same order as well. I, I think that I think that I mean I would personally play Paradox Engine because I just like the deck and like those kinds of decks, and I just find it fun. But I, I think people haven't mm. figured out exactly how to tune their engine list yet. Soltai Soltai mid range is just proven itself to be a dominant strategy and if you can Dude, this is fucked up yeah it is if you can build your soul time mid-range deck where you have a cohesive game plan against paradox engine and people are still playing untuned versions of paradox engine and still don't know how to pilot the deck optimally yet like mm -hmm. i i think you'll be in a very good spot it's... and i think you can because the one thing that makes a mid-range deck good against a combo deck is when your spot removal is not dead and your spot removal isn't dead against these engine decks. Like killing Kinnan, killing Llanowar Elf, killing Emery is good, you know? So that that makes for what... And that's the only reason I don't think Paradox Engine is just absolutely busted because it doesn't dead any cards in people's decks. Like even Aethergust main, you can still get targets and stuff. So, yeah, and that's yeah. one of the things that like, actually I think Kethis combo has an advantage against a, a deck like Sultai Midrange is that you start, mm -hmm. you can start a turn with not having like because i like I, I mean you can do god pharaoh's gift things but that's kind of expensive but like if you start a turn without an embryo in play you're not going to win that turn outside of you know going off huge with with karn type stuff which a mid-range deck is usually going to keep you low resource enough where that's not going to happen um and that's that's mm -hmm. the difference with a deck like kethis where you can be dead to Nissa next turn start the turn with no board draw kethis <coughs> for turn and win um and this deck can't do yeah. this deck can't that do nice. that so a lot of those interactive elements are gonna be way better 
Yeah, but also what I like about this deck is it cycles a lot and it can you could find a more sophisticated sideboard to have interaction because the combo is like doesn't actually use up a lot of resources that aren't good to just play. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just spheres that are easily cyclable and emeries that are just good to cast in a deck with Uro and artifacts and then the paradox engine and then that's all you really need. Um, and I guess you need a mind stone, don't you? Yeah, you need a mind stone or 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 uh, there's a few others, an elf, whatever. Uh, the legendary, you need one of those also. But I mean, I really like the deck and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Uh, and that's also why I think a lot of other people like it. And that's why I'm suggesting Racto Sacrifice. If you like sacrifice decks, if you like aggressive decks, um, I think that that is just the best choice because it can interact with this deck on a turn for turn basis that other decks really don't have the tools to do. And it also can beat Uro. Like a mono red deck can interact with some of the small ball stuff, but it might just lose to an Uro, where Rakdos Sacrifice can beat Uro. Yeah, I never mind playing an Uro combo deck against like mono red type decks because you have Uro in your deck. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just board on some Aether Gusts, uh, play out your control. Like, you just play <laughs> to whatever long game you have. But against a Rakdos Sacrifice decks, you also have to make sure that you don't die to just claim plus a bunch of random damage yeah, mayhem devil and yeah. I, the games can end pretty fast mm -hmm. so oh yeah mayhem devil also kind of like hurts the combo if you actually stick it but i bet it's easily beatable i don't know i have i have yet to try to combo against a mayhem devil in play mm -hmm. have you Corey? yeah is, yeah. is it easy I, like what I happens just loop mocks ambers right and... well it's tough uh if you if they just kill Emery, because they can usually kill that. I just went the, you know, granted for um uh the God Pharaoh's gift. And then when it's a four four, it's too it's easy, you know. What? I don't get that. With Mayhem Devil? With yeah. Are you talking about Mayhem Devil killing your Emery? Or just get in play when you're trying to combo. There's no there's nothing uh, being sacrificed, yeah, well, right? Uh, the spheres, right? Uh, you don't. Oh, if you're yeah. trying to draw through your deck, yeah. Like if you already have the pieces, yeah. you can just cast Mox Ambers over and over again, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can cycle just, two Mox Ambers if you have yeah. them. Or yeah, you just granted for an Aether Gust or something. I, well, I, no, I didn't no find one it plays granted. <laughs> that, yeah, like we're, we're like no, you're right, asking for my experience, you, and you that is a, what I have played. Okay. That is the version I have played. That is my experience. You can carn. You can carn for a meteor golem. There we go. Okay. All there right. There go. it is. There it is. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right. Well, Corey, are you looking forward to watching some movies tonight? <laughs> sure am. Sounds like it. <laughs> I always can tell the tone when I'm kind of annoying my little brother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Corey, I want to add a fourth movie to your recommendation list, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, GP Denver semifinals, 2017. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Oh, are you meaning your it's match good. against John Ross? Yes, yes. Adventure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see your list of Rakdos Arcanist, though, bro, because that is one of the decks. I think of all the decks in Historic that I want to be good, but I just don't. I, I couldn't put my, you know, I couldn't 
go all in on them for a major tournament. I think Rakdos Arcanist is that because Dreadhorde Arcanist is just one of the coolest magic cards ever printed, in my opinion. Um, and like Claim to Fame is really fun to play with, and Croaks is just powerful. I don't really find any enjoyment in casting Croaxa, but it's just good. Um, Young Pyromancer is one of my favorite magic cards of all time. I it really is. So, yeah. I just love cards like that. It's so cool. All right. Well, I guess that kind of just does it for historic. Uh oh shit, I forgot to talk. I just saw it at the bottom of my things. I forgot to talk about Tails End. Damn it. All right, real quick, mm-hmm. real quick. I forgot this one. Tails End was a piece of tech that was starting to be really good for Sultai to beat other Sultai and um and you know, like Azurius decks, the mirrors, and also these new uh paradox engine strategies. But I would I highly suggest if you're playing this, do not go too deep down the Tails End rabbit hole just because you're just going to get beat up by decks like Rakdos, Agro, Jun, uh, Arcanist, these sacrifice decks. Like, I think that that is a big hole that could you could get attacked in by playing, you know, two or three of a main deck. I thought it was good last weekend, but this coming up weekend, I, I would maybe I would play one tops in my main deck. I don't know what you guys think, but. I hate I hate having interaction not work in matchups and we and Soltai just keeps removing cards for like Rakdos sacrifice to where it's like probably going to become a really bad matchup. Well, I already yeah, Tails End. Uh, oh yeah, Tails End hit a lot of things, you know, with goblins hitting hitting all the expensive cards, um, and just seemed really really good. But I I, I still like the card. I think I would still play some numbers. It seems like it hits everything you really need it to, but. Disdainful Stroke, I guess, is a decent alternative. It's a pretty high power level on a card, but I'll say that I really, I already hate playing counter spells in, in Magic, and if you're asking me to play one that only hits, like, some s- small number of cards, I'm <laughs> off it, so. Oh, I mean, yeah, it is fucked up good in the mirrors, though. Like, really, really oh, good. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, the power level of the card is incredibly high. If you nail the metagame with a card like that, like, you're gonna have a great time, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I still like good against like goblins and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I, I just saw like Louis talking about going up to three, and I was like, that was good last weekend. But if people follow suit there, like, I mean, this might just be a weekend to just play Rakdos and just get under all of these decks. Honestly, Rakdos might be a good. I didn't like this deck last week or the week before, but I'm starting to really come around to it just because, like, it's kind of getting ignored. Rakdos sacrifice. He means mm-hmm. not Corey's Rakdos Arcanist deck. <laughs> Of course, yes, of course. <laughs> Let's not get that confused. Let's just be clear yeah. that that's, uh, yeah. Oh, shit. All right, well, anyway, uh, let's get to the end of show notes. Uh, real quick, I want to say that a lot of you should have received your shirts by now that uh, should on our Patreon tiers that would have. I saw that Femoral just said that they got the Bring Back BBD shirt, which is an exclusive nice. on there. And then... Uh, anyone else that would like to purchase our newest uh, Bash Bros with a likeness that I'm not going to say because it's you very know, offensive to bald men everywhere. <laughs> That's not what I was saying. I was just saying we shouldn't say the 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 IP that we might have t- taken oh, some liberties with. Yeah, li- of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that is now on our merch store. If you want to take a link and take that look at that, but. Every show ends with our cast and crew, our lovely supporters over at patreon.com slash Bash Bros podcast, uh, who wants to also work for us. And our list has been growing and growing over the last few months, which is really exciting. 
Um, and we have another someone changed their job. Uh, so I guess yeah, we, we got a couple job changes here. Oh shit! Yeah, we got a couple job changes. Well, I'm excited to see what people yeah. are gonna do because it's better than mm -hmm. what they have been doing, which is not a lot of work. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So let's fire it up. First up, we got Richie, and that is the Bash Bros accountant. We are heinous with our money, so we need someone to handle this, especially with how cool our shirts are, that, you know, we have tens of 20 of dollars flowing in, and we need someone to manage that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, like, let's just say if uh, a certain class of citizens would get eaten, we would not be them. Yeah, yeah. The, M the, M the MPL, I think we are them, Brad. Oh, shit. That's right. Damn. Well, not everyone knows we don't get paid anymore. That's fair. That is true. Yeah. Now got they just em. feel bad for us being in it. Anyway. All right. Next up, we got Opa, who is our research director. Um, I don't know if anyone knows this, but we are actually financing a movie called Our Research. Right. Uh, and, and Opa is directing yes. that. Oh, and yeah. it's just pictures of asses. Uh, <laughs> really disgust. It's really disgusting, to be honest. All right, we got Wapa, and it's all yours. For Wapa is uh, Brad's personal barista. Uh, very special job uh, for Brad, um, but not for me. And so, yeah, no. that's, he doesn't. Yeah, no coffee. No coffee for you or dog right. walking. Yeah. It, <laughs> Especially decided to call me out for no reason, so whatever. Well, no, Wapa, hey, uh, you had it coming. Well, what happened is you had all these people at, for a certain amount of time that was like, you know, doing all the shit for you, and I had no one, and Wapa stepped up and really filled a hole that I created by being a whiny little bitch. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, Brad. We got another job for you later on, so we got a job change so, to help you out. Perfect. So. Oh shit! So really? all, I'm, all I'm hearing is yeah. that it's somehow Brad's fault, and I'm okay with it. So it is. Everything's my yeah. fault. I understand. Actually, it's not. The real person's fault. It is our next casting crew, and that's Adham. That's our ghost writer. All of these uh, casting crew jobs were also still written by Adham, so it really is all. He actually there. wrote Wapa's entire life. We. Yeah, yeah. Wapa's a figment of our imagination, yeah. actually. <laughs> All right, next up we got David Watt, who is fired. Finally. Yep, fired. Next. David Watt is the special guest screener. It is a position of honor and dignity where David Watt finds the person who will be that week's special guest for the Brothers Who Bash podcast. And this week selected myself, Brian Rondouin, a selection that I agree with and that statistically is proven to be the correct choice. Who was not selected Look. for this week's to be the special guest was Gino Batista. <laughs> now, Gino Batista was originally a candidate and was, in fact, the number one candidate to be this week's special guest. However, Gino recently broke out of prison and then mailed us a severed doll head through Carrier Pigeon, stating that they were going to come for us, uh, likely with threats of violence, um, because they were not selected to be the special guest. We tried to escape that violence by taking a Bash Bros podcast vacation to Mexico. 
where Gino tracked mm. us down, uh, but was thwarted by the Mexican government. And so now Gino's actually placed in one of the most secure prisons in the world in Mexico right now, where he Jesus. will almost assuredly not find a way to also break out of that prison again. I mean, there's no way, right? Like, I mean, this this one seems very secure. I, we might not have Gino on the podcast for a while. It is seeming that right. way, but that's why he was not this week's special guest. Wow. So. Oh, sorry, sorry. Hmm. Was it my turn? I uh, tuned out oh. of that story. Hmm. Well, it's, it's not your turn, actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Next up, we got Paul Cat Sarowski. And that is BBD's wall staring photographer. Brian has been drinking a lot of Diet Pepsi, as you can hear. And, you know, someone's just got to capture those amazing moments while he's also staring at walls. And that's Paul. I had an epiphany about Diet Pepsi the other day, but now I literally can't remember what it was. So it's pretty sad. You had an epiphany <laughs> about Diet Pepsi. Holy <laughs> shit, 2020 has went south. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that's not great. That's not Holy great. Holy shit, Brian. An epiphany about Diet Pepsi. Dude, it was it was it was like a mind-changing epiphany too. I I was I I God, I wish I could remember what it was. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Corey's cool. cool. like, cool. All right, next. Cool. No, I love it. Yeah. That is amazing. Next up, Corey. Uh all right. <laughs> next up, we've got Max, who is Corey's linguistic coach. And I got to say, I got to say, bro, maybe we should, uh, we might not need Max's services anymore. I'm, I'm not. I know. I'm I, so I, fucking well-spoken. It's unreal. What, I, I, you actually cut out when you said whatever you said to me. So I didn't hear what I didn't you hear said. It either. <laughs> I said, I'm so fucking well-spoken. Sorry. I don't know. It's still cut, cut out again out, there. <laughs> yeah. Cause we were talking. All right. Brian, what? don't say anything. <laughs> I said, I'm so fucking well-spoken that, uh, yeah, I don't think I need Max anymore. Yeah, Max, we might need a job change because yeah, Corey got it. You all of that worked. Yeah, perfect. Uh and and but not talking about someone that doesn't need any job change. Uh that's that's Phil. And Brian, can you tell us what Phil does? No. I don't Great. I don't all think right. I will. <laughs> all right, JP. <laughs> JP is the Bash Bros podcast general manager. Uh gave up on trying to figure out what Phil did as well. And you know what? I can't really blame them because Brian's been on this task for months, it seems, and just gave up. So now JP is just generally managing everything. And we don't, he, he, they haven't accomplished anything yet either. When so. we go to war against the Aspros podcast, JP will lead us into battle. battle. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully into the back end, at least, but... Oh, too, too good. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Jason Florot. Uh, Y'all know him, a popular streamer, magic streamer, and uh, uh, competitive Legends of Ruterra, plus Magic the Gathering player and content creator, 2X Grand Prix winner, my beautiful roommate Sharon, and our two pups. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I knew you were reading it, but I was wondering where it was going. That was great. <laughs> it's Jason Florent, where you can find them streaming at twitch.tv slash Jason Florent joined June 2014. Nice. Um, which is Corey's nemesis, because uh, the man can't beat Corey, and Corey beats this man so much that he became a Legends of Ruterra player. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and then I was streaming Legends of Runeterra for an hour, and he came into my stream, and he was like, "What the fuck, man?" And I'm like, "Yep, I'm coming for you." <laughs> <laughs> it was good. This internet was ain't so big good. enough for both of us, Jason Farrat. <laughs> I'm imagining yeah, a, awesome. <laughs> a dystopian future, like 40 years from now, where like Jason Florent's playing at like a dilapidated. <laughs> like local chess club and Corey just fucking rolls in <laughs> like <laughs> they're both old, old men ready? at this point just unrolls oh, you've seen searching for bobby fisher right no i've never seen it Where, you actually i've literally it? never what? seen it yeah oh, oh my god it's so good the monk, the monk scene the scene where the kid rolls up and the monk is just evaluating a board he's like do you want to play a game and the guy's like sure and the kid just beats him and then handsome like yeah. a gummy bear. I'm like, yeah, that is the most disrespect I've ever seen. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna show up at Jason's like you know family gathering like when they're playing Uno and be like, you ready, <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> Jason's like got one card left, and Corey just like peeks his head in the door. It's like you forgot to say Uno. Yeah. Draw four. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you know? Yeah. You misplayed again. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Sultan Abbasi. That is our designated, our Bash Bros podcast designated mana dork, uh, of which this week I'm going to go with Kinnon. Not traditional. What? No. Oh, that's a good uh, one. Let, let, uh, have we not used Kinnon? Wait, Kinnon doesn't actually add no. anything. All right. Lana War Elves, it is. Yeah, we never actually get to do Land of Elves because it doesn't see a lot of play anymore. It's back. It's back. All right, next up, we got a job update from Eric Knoll. Everyone buckle up here because it's a a wild one, as always. Uh, Eric Knoll says, uh, during the time that he spent uh, marinating in the fumes of Uranus, really scary stuff, I felt myself growing stronger, stinkier. Jesus Christ. (laughs) He's come to the realization that humans are weak and maybe the world would be better off if everything was just trash. So Eric Nall is now a looming threat to mm. humanity. I'm going to give this one a, a, a C, Eric, uh, just for the fact that you did not mm. add ass or trash to the looming threat of humanity. <laughs> but we had Uranus, so, you know, that's 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 not bad. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. the 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 name The name doesn't... You know, it has. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> Gear, Mel- Gear Meldy is our merch store manager. And that's right. We've got more merch up there and more coming. Uh, so go take a look. Click that link that we've been promoting. We have an awesome shirt that we're really happy about. And I'll be wearing next time I do anything with a camera on. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Patrick. Patrick is our office party coordinator. And I got to say, I met some really cool people at the last office party. There's a guy there that apparently works for us. His name is Phil, and we, yeah, I, I uh, discovered him at the last office party, and we had a great time that night, so that's cool. Well, we finally found out what Phil does. Yeah. He parties. I'm in. As long as we know now, I'm cool with that. <laughs> my name is... Uh, was that Phil or right, Felipe? My name is Phil, and I like to party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, next up, we got Filippo's Galanis, and that is our... Acceptable standardization, supervisor handling, organization, organizational lethargy excellence. Wow. That is, uh, that is one. That is an asshole fall, if I have to say. Yeah, that is an asshole. (laughs) 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 All right, next up, we got Laura, who is our CEO. 
Uh, that is right. I mean, a podcast of three white men doing them in their offices uh, or basements mm-hmm. does need a CEO. That is just the times. Everyone needs to be organized. Everyone needs to be up in their game. And that's what Laura does for us. So thank you very much. All right. We got a new addition here. We got Victor. Uh, or sorry, changed role. We got that is Brad's first place trophy holder. Now, uh, I got some problems with this. Wow, I got some serious problems here. <laughs> Be- yeah, what are they? Yeah. Because the trophy that you're always holding, Brad, is my trophy. <laughs> it's my world's Hell trophy. Yeah. <laughs> so having Victor have the role of holding that trophy, I I don't know. I take offense. So. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing is, is since Victor has a bad back, he asked if he could physically do the job to his doctor. And the doctor said, no big deal. Brad doesn't win any trophies that are actually his. So, you know, well, we it, talked about a tournament where I did win a trophy and beat both your asses. <laughs> so what yeah, about that? You cheated. You cheated. Stick that one in Victor's hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, next up and last but certainly least, of course, <laughs> is Dr. Unks. And that is our resident proctologist. Uh, you know, really rough job. For some reason, me and Brad have not gotten any exams, but it seems like Dr. Unks funnels all the exams we should get all towards BBD. He's in and out of it, his office, like, you know, by by daily. He's issuing more and more uh, proctology exams to Brian. We thought it was a you know, an insurance scam for a long time until Dr. Unks was saying that they're all free. Yeah, I don't even know, too, because like the yeah. last one I did was like it was kind of strange and it it almost felt like it was like off the books a little bit. And I, I don't know. like Yeah, <laughs> he played some Barry White. It was pretty wild. And that's where we're going to end this episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Bash Rose podcast. We'll be back next week to have a little fun. If you are uh a patron or in our discord in any way please um let us know if you can think of any awesome topics for the next week or two we definitely want to do episodes but we would want to do something that would be fun and interesting and our our idea chambers have run dry. yeah we're, we're trying to sounds like we need we're trying to have a major sounds like we need a new casting crew uh as a creative director here for us you know we 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 need someone to help out with ideas we uh we want to have a major chain of change of pace from normal that's why we're looking for something that's actually fun so yeah so if yes, you can of think course. of any throw some ideas at us in the discord <laughs> and we will uh probably ignore most of them but someone's will probably take and not give credit there to because <laughs> that's Smart. how we are Smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. goodbye everyone see you <laughs> <laughs>